Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. There's probably nothing like this image to describe the results and aftermath of the 2020 election. Why would we have expected anything different, right? Based on how 2020 has gone so far, it only makes sense. And as we look at the next lesson in our series, How God Views Our Politics, today's lesson is God will get us through this. No matter how much of a train wreck it is right now in our nation, God will get us through this. So how's your election anxiety level by now? Thank God our future is not determined by election results or vote counters or the media. So since Jesus hasn't come back yet, the question is, how do we cope with this chaos? The first thing I'd like for you to consider from Joshua is this, to keep your eyes on God. Just like our country after this election, life for God's people, Israel, is about to change. That was true for them, it's true for us. After 40 years of waiting in the wilderness, the people of God knew that the time had come for them to move forward into the promised land, or at least that's what God told them. But just because you're ready for change, and after 40 years, I can't imagine they weren't, just because you're ready for change doesn't mean that you don't feel stuck where you are. In Joshua chapter 3, the first three verses read this. <clears throat> now I want to warn you, I promise I am only reading a biblical name for a geographic location. But truth is true, right? Joshua 3 verse 1. Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. When he and all the people of Israel came to the Jordan, they camped there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went throughout the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, move out from your positions and follow them. Thank God that there comes a time when he says, you've been in Shittim long enough, move out. You'll never be able to enjoy what God has for you until you decide it's time to leave Shittim behind and move on from there. But you can't have what God plans for you. You can't have the blessing of God and stay stuck where you are. There will always be more questions than answers when, when God says we need to move forward from here. But just focus on the presence of God and follow him. For example, in Psalm 16, verse 8, it says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. What are your eyes on? The latest election news, the protests, the riots, the chaos. Is that helping you get any closer to God? That's why it was written in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How do you do that? His answer is in the next phrase. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Do you want to feel at peace? 
but you're wondering how we're going to get through this mess? Well, stop waiting for what the political players are doing to make sense to you. It never will. The only way to feel the peace of God is to focus on staying in the presence of God. And we do that when we follow Him. How will God get us through this mess? Well, it starts by keeping your eyes on Him. But the next thing is to fear the Lord, not the problem. You see, when we take our eyes off God, we start to obsess over the issue and the problems around us. Pretty soon it's all we can see, kind of like that teenager looking in a bathroom mirror at a zit that's appeared overnight. For them, that's all they can see. They think their whole face is one big pimple. The same thing happens essentially for us spiritually. When we start obsessing about the problem, that's all we can see, and we no longer worry about our relationship with God. In Proverbs 19, verse 23, it says that the fear of the Lord leads to life. Life. It doesn't come from a fear of Biden. It doesn't come from a fear of Trump. Honestly, that just leads us to more anxiety and maybe greater despair. I don't care how much money you spend on a new mattress. I don't care what company makes it. I don't care if it promises firmness control, temperature control, elevation control to control snoring. It's not going to help you sleep at night if you're ignoring God. When you've got issues like your marriage, <clears throat> your mattress is not the problem. When you've got issues with your kids or with your job or with money, your mattress and a better mattress is not going to help you sleep better. The fear of the Lord is what leads us to life. In Joshua 3 verse 4, it says Joshua reminds them that they still needed to show respect for God, even though they had got more questions than they thought they had to start with. He says, since you've never traveled this way before, they, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and them. You know, there's a, a funny thing that happens. The more familiar we become with something or someone, the more relaxed we are around them. And although that can be a good thing because we are our true self, it can also be a not-so-great thing because it means we start taking them for granted. Here, Joshua reminds them not to allow our familiarity with the stories of God to make us lose our respect for God. Sometimes we imagine waking up in heaven and running into God's arms, kind of like a lot of the different songs that we'll hear on Christian radio jumping into his arms, hugging his neck, and, and, and what a great time in heaven that will be. And although that does create a great image, it probably doesn't create much reality because everyone who told their story of being in the presence of God had to be told first, more than anything else, do not be afraid. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, they heard God speak, and in verse 6 it says they fell face down to the ground. They were terrified. The same type of thing happened when the angel appeared to Mary. 
the first thing he says, don't be afraid. When the angel appears to the shepherds on the hill on that Christmas Eve night, if you will, the first thing they said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Every single time God shows up and people are come face to face with him, they need that reminder, don't be afraid. Why were they to keep their distance as they followed God with Joshua? Because it showed respect and enabled them to have perspective. Even after 40 years of watching God do some pretty amazing things, they'd never been here before. They'd been in some other places, they'd been in some other messes before, but they've never been in this mess before. Instead of worry, anxiety, and panic about where you're headed, why not just watch and follow his lead? Remember when you were first trying to figure out how to be married? Or when you were trying to figure out what you're supposed to do with that first baby you brought home? Or... Or maybe even when you were trying to figure out how to deal with the pandemic at first. The best thing you ever did was to just stand back and watch someone that you respected with more experience than you and learn from them. That's why at MCC, you'll frequently hear us emphasize that our objective is to learn more about Jesus so that we can love more like Jesus and end up looking more like Jesus in how we live our life. That's why he would say in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's why we need to stand back so that we can create some distance between the issue that we're focused on and the God that we're to follow. <clears throat> because the more clearly we see him, the more easy it is for us to follow him. Remember back in January when a lot of churches and organizations came out with their logo and everybody was so proud of it, they thought they were so clever. 2020 vision. Nobody saw the mess that 2020 would bring, did they? So all that 2020 vision on the logos and the signs didn't really amount to anything, did it? You see, Satan also thought he had it all figured out when he enticed Judas to betray Jesus, and it led to his death. He had to be doing his happy dance, convinced that he'd finally put God in his place. But Jesus must have said, everything will be fine before you can count to three. And certainly, in three days, everything changed. How's God going to get us through this mess? Well, a third thing that we need to do in faith while we wait for that to play out is to make sure that we're right with God. In Joshua 3, verses 5 and 6, Joshua says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then he told the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they did just that. They went before the people. Why the parade with the Ark of the Covenant in front of them? Do you remember the contents of what was in that box that represented the presence of God? The staff of Aaron that was used by Moses to indicate the power of God. The Ten Commandment tablets that indicated the laws and expectations of God. And a jar or bowl of manna that would remind them of how 
against all odds, God provided for them. The power of God, the laws of God, and the provision of God. That's what Joshua wanted them to focus on before the next step of their journey. And then he says, consecrate yourselves. Consecration. It could almost be described as a public action that indicates an intentional decision. Scriptural examples? The sackcloth and ashes that represented repentance before God, or grief, or mourning. A Nazarite vow of not cutting the hair, or not drinking any alcoholic beverage. Baptism, I suppose, could also be another spiritual illustration of consecration, a public action that indicates an intentional decision that you've made. You could even describe wedding ceremonies as that same type of consecrated moment. More than anything, though, it was to be an indication of their commitment to God who had given them liberty from Egypt, who'd given them laws to govern their life in the Ten Commandments, and who had given them life-sustaining manna from heaven during that journey as well. Liberty, law, and life. All gifts of God. And he reminds them, in light of what God has given you, what are you prepared to give God? How will God get us through this mess? We need to make sure that we consecrate ourselves. It's our appropriate response for what God has already done for us. Notice in some of the following verses the recurring theme on what we think, what we do, and what we say. In Ephesians 4, verse 30 and 31, part of that consecration that we, that we are involved in in our relationship with God is expressed this way. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Get rid of all bitterness rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Did I mention this was from Ephesians 4, a long time before the election results of 2020? How will God get us through this mess? We need to make sure that we consecrate ourselves. James chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your life and humbly accept the word that God has implanted in your hearts, for he has the power to save your souls. But did you see what they're doing? Did you hear the latest scandal? Let's talk about what's in your life. Consecrate yourself. That's the beginning of how God will get us through this. Or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. I'd really like to tattoo this on the forehead of every politician in Washington. You know what I mean? But he didn't write this to politicians. He wrote this to those who would follow him in the ways and the life of Jesus Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. How's God going to get us through this mess? 
when we consecrate ourselves. Did, did you notice that so, lo- so much of this has to do with what comes out of our mouth? But remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, your mouths say everything that's in your heart. Your mouth may be the most honest part about your life because more than the mere, it gives an accurate reflection of who you really are. Did you hear that? Consecrating ourselves involves what we think, do, and say. How's God going to get us through this mess? Here's the fourth thing. Trust God's choice. In verse 7 of Joshua 3, the Lord tells him, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. Now Joshua had been a leader for a long time. He'd been Moses' assistant. He'd been his right-hand man for years, for decades. And yet God tells Joshua, maybe more for his own benefit than anything else, don't worry about what other people think of you. I will begin to make you a great leader in their eyes. And they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. We all need time for God to grow us into the servant that he's called us to become. And maybe that means I need to give some grace of time for others to mature as well. The thing is, we just enjoy condemning others like Trump and his tweets because it makes me feel so much more superior than him. We like to condemn the... How do you describe the things that come out of Biden's mouth? Again, because it makes us feel so much smarter, right? Do you realize what Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome about the Roman government official who allowed Jesus to be crucified? He even acknowledged, I have the power of life and death over you. And yet, And yet Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, and reminds them of this truth. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those who exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we just need to roll over for everything they say but it certainly does remind us that we need to trust God that maybe, just maybe, He will work in the life of this government official, even when that government official washes his hands of the crucifixion of Jesus. Can you comprehend the insight of the prophet Daniel who said this to the Babylonian king who had captured him and taking him, him away into captivity, the, the Babylonian king in who, to whom he gave service to? In Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. I'll tell you, I'm guessing that if we get drug off into captivity and somebody tries to make us their servant, we're muttering under our breath, this is stupid. But Daniel says... God, all wisdom and might belong to you. And he acknowledges that God changes the times and the seasons, and he removes kings and he sets up kings. Just as there's a time for for trees to bud and grow green leaves, 
and a time for those green leaves to turn red and orange and yellow and brown and fall to the ground. Just as the seasons change, so also kings and those in authority will change as well. So maybe instead of complaining about the one who won the election, I need to be convicted about God's mission for me of spreading the gospel because that does not change. Could it be that the reason I'm so freaked out about the election is because my idol lost? Right before Jesus was crucified, the most religious of God's people cried out, We have no king but Caesar. Hmm. I think maybe you chose poorly with that. In one sense, you could say that the politics of the people desperate for control ended up killing the Messiah. They were more interested in political control than their own personal surrender to God. But if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can handle those who hate America and want to destroy it as well, can he? If we've been overwhelmed by November 3rd, maybe it's because we've been underwhelmed by December 25th, forgetting that when Jesus comes into the world, nothing else matters. Finally, how will God get us through this mess? It'll happen when we just take the next step of faith. In Joshua 3, verse 8, he says, Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, catch this, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Step into the river and stop there. Oh, by the way, the next line kind of coincidentally adds, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Here's a picture of supposedly the Jordan River and what it looks like when it's at flood stage. And if it's not the Jordan River, you've seen what some of the streams and rivers near you look like after a lot of rain. It's certainly nothing that I want to step into. But let me remind you that the people that were told to step into the middle of this flood were people who had lived in the desert for the last 40 years. I doubt any of them were members of the Olympic swim team. What makes you think that any of them knew how to have confidence that they could handle themselves in water? How will God get us through this? Why, God, did you ask me? I mean, do you see the trees running down through the stream? They needed to learn to trust God, even when they're over their head. Just like Peter, when Jesus said to him, come out and walk with me, Peter. And yet, when we're faced with the idea and the prospect of stepping out over our head, all that we can think of is, God, I can't do this. Periodically, we sing a worship song with the lyrics like, holy water on my skin. Sometimes the holy water on our skin can be the floodwaters that threaten to wash us away. Were the floodwaters of Noah's day holy? You bet they were. How about the water that flooded over Jonah? Sure was. And what about the water that drowned the Egyptian army? That came from God. Wasn't it holy water as well sent from God? So I guess maybe my question for you is, are you staring at a flood that you're afraid that if you step into will overwhelm and drown you? 
it just might be holy water sent from God in the form of a flood to make us trust him instead of our own ability to know where the rocks are to step on. In verse 15 of Joshua 3, it says, As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. James talks about how faith without works is dead and how works reflect our faith. God rewards those who take the next step of faith, trusting Him in obedience. And that's exactly what happened with those who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as they stepped forward, their faith was rewarded. 3.16. In John 3.16, it's a very famous passage. But for me personally, Joshua 3.16 is just as important. It says that the water piled up in a heap a great distance away. And if you do some of the math in the footnote of your Bible, you'll see that it was about 20 miles upstream at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. 20 miles upstream is where the water stopped. That means after God stopped the water, there was still 20 miles of flood water to pass by where Joshua and the priests with the Ark of the Covenant were standing nervous on the bank. The water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry and all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho on dry ground. How will God get us through this mess? <laughs> Trust Him. He's 20 miles ahead of us all. Yeah, but you don't know what happened overnight, God. Really? He's a 20-mile God or more. In verse 17, it says, The priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as all the people passed by. They waited there until the whole assembly of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. God proves over and over that no matter how deep the water is, He can get us through this mess. 2020 has been tough. And it's not over yet. It's been tough on churches. It's been tough on preachers and staff. It's been tough. It's been tough on any who want to trust God. We don't know what's next any more than we did back in January. But one thing we do know is that God will get us through it no matter what. How? How will we have the peace that God can get us through this? Keep your eyes focused on Him. Fear the Lord, not the problem. Make sure you're right with God. Trust His choice and take the next step of faith in a God who's 20 miles ahead of where you are. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio 43040. 
Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at barrysvillechristian.org.